right, you bunch of yahoos. Strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. And here we go. And welcome back to another episode of Toxic Masculinity, where we uh, are here to entertain, offend, and defend anybody and everybody. We are... Uh, to our, we're here to offer up our political satire approach to our views on both national and inter- international topics. We're just a, cro- a couple of crotchety old farts that have a bad habit of speaking the truth, but won't let a few facts get in the way of a good story. We believe in America and Americans. If this isn't for you, well, then I suggest you change your channel now. We still believe in freedom of speech and we'll rub your face into the cow pie of reality. We will make you scratch your head or scratch your ass, ass, hopefully not at the same time. Without further ado, my cohort in crime is none other than the man of men, Don the Predator Fry, and I, his trusty sidekick, Dan to be Severn, and always Don's faithful companion, Quinn. She's over there taking a nap. Yeah, yeah Quinn, Quinn, Quinn's not ready for make her cameo. She was on earlier there when she was getting makeup and lipstick and all that kind of but stuff. She got yeah. halfway through your introduction and just nodded off. Yeah, yeah just nodded off on me. <laughs> and, and tonight's guest, we have Sarah McMahon. And Sarah has actually kind of a, actually a, a lot of a lot of things that you've done there, Sarah, from being an amateur wrestler to professional fighter. And, you know, I mean, especially going from from t- 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 is that if I pronounce it correctly, Tacoma Park, Maryland, and, yeah, and now you're in California. I mean, basically, you've crisscrossed the United States there, uh, but, but, and, and you represent Team Alpha Male. No, uh, so I'm not with them anymore. Um, okay. I have my own gym. Uh, it, well, it's essentially more of like a jiu-jitsu gym. We do have like some wrestling and Muay Thai, but uh, Precision Jiu-Jitsu is where I train now. Oh, okay. And, and what, okay, is that in California or is that back in Maryland? Or yeah, no, 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 California. It's California. Uh, a little you, north of Sacramento. Okay, so you, 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 okay, home now for you is California then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, I just again, you know, when you look at Wikipedia, it's like, yeah, sometimes it's up to date. Three quarters of what I have written about me is wrong. It's like, oh, well, okay, I wonder if I'm the only one, and, or how do you correct this stuff? It's like, how do you contact Wikipedia and say, dude, wrong? So. I think that anyone can go in there and edit it. So really? anyone can really, yeah. And then wow. they, other people will kind of like verify it and stuff. So if it's like completely outrageously wrong, but apparently something slipped through the cracks. Well, I think most people that understand this type of technology, but see, um, Mr. Fry and I are, you know, we're, we're, we're knuckle draggers. So yeah. understanding all the yeah, aspects of uh, this high tech rocks computer, together to get a fire, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah, we're 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 a little bit prehistoric in, in some of our antique antiqued uh, antiquated uh, ways right now. So that's why we have to have sharper people like Tony and and uh, uh, that to to help keep us in track. Yeah. So actually, I I know where I want to start because again, it's something just very near and dear to my heart is amateur wrestling. So again, it, that's your first that's your first career, isn't it? Is it not? Yeah, my first love. What to, uh, I say, I say that line all the time. It, it's literally, it's my first love that I give credit for that spins off into everything else that has, it carries over quite well in, in all the other professions that uh, I have done. And I, I just know that a lot of MMA fighters, especially that come from the world of amateurs, 
do very well for themselves. A lot of it has to do with the, I mean, if, especially if you're a successful wrestler, there's a kind of a boneheaded tenacity that you have to have. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, would you not agree with that? I, mean, I agree with that. <laughs> you know, it, it's a, well, because it's it's a well, it's a lone, First off, it's a lonely sport because it's just you. The the, de the definition of wrestling is it's a team sport based upon individual performances. The team can lose, yeah. and yet you can go on. It's a I mean, team sport based on points, not on how much you actually work together to get those wins. I mean, you do in the practice room, but, uh, and that is like, it, I'm not underestimating that at all, but when it comes to competition, nobody can save you. And then, you know, your success is really, it's very much built on what you can bring to the table when you compete. Yeah, exactly. And again, you can't blame anybody else for what they did wrong <laughs> because you're out there all by yourself. I think that um, I realized kind of young that I was not a very good team player um, because I'm, you know, like most wrestlers, most successful wrestlers are pretty hard on themselves and I could never be as hard on a teammate and still have a team <laughs> as I am on myself. And so, but if, but I call it like I see it, you know, with even with my own mistakes, even with my own errors and my own career. And so I don't think anybody else really needed to be under that harsh judge. <laughs> So you said you started originally at what age for amateur wrestling? 14. I started 14. in high school. So that would be like right, junior, like freshman high school? Yep. Okay. Now what, well, again, what was, what intrigued you? Because if this, if this is your first launch to step into this, what, what, what intrigued you about it? So my older brother, he wrestled since I was, I think I was like three years old. Uh, so I grew up around it. We lived a lot in Pennsylvania, not just Maryland. And so um, I was always at weekend tournaments and I saw girl wrestlers there, especially when we were younger. And so I just, you know, our whole lives revolved around wrestling, particularly when we lived in Pennsylvania. And, um, when I wanted to go into sports, I was like, you know, it's, I'm getting into high school. Like, I think I should start doing sports. Um, wrestling just seemed like the natural one to do. No, it, well, again, yeah. Okay. Do you have just one one other sibling, or do you have others? Do you, no, I have an older sister and an older brother. And so, okay. strangely enough, my older sister wanted to wrestle too, but my parents wouldn't let her. Oh, but, funny. So yeah. Older, okay. So so she she's the first on the total pose. So you have the oldest is a sister. I'm the baby. Then, okay. Then then you're okay. So then your brother starts wrestling. Then then you come in as the baby, and and you go. All right. Actually, makes makes a lot more sense. It's uh, when people are parents. It's kind of like they're 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 testing out a lot of different theories on child number one. You know, <laughs> yeah. Child number one gets a lot more spoiled than child number two. Uh, yeah. Child number two comes along. You know, when child number one is there and, and that pass bar hits the floor, I mean they're sterilizing the pass bar the whole nine yards. Child number two comes along, it's like wipe it yeah, off, yeah. Like, stick it right back in, good to go. You know, <laughs> child number three has to find it themselves and put it back in. <laughs> No, it, well, that's the thing about when you grow in, grow up in a, a bigger family, you learn you learn to share and you learn what hand-me-downs are. You had older sisters, stuff like that. I'm sure you had hand-me-downs for older sisters and stuff like that. So I just happen to be a little bit bigger than my uh, oldest brother. Uh, so I, I, again, but there was a lot of trips to Goodwill stores, Salvation Armies, to where's I going, did we care? No, it was, it was cool because it was new to us. Yeah, so, yeah. 
No, I, I totally understand that. Like my parents, I grew up like we didn't have a lot and then we moved a lot. And so uh, even now, like it came back more in style, but it's like, I love going to Goodwill, I, especially for workout stuff, because just workout stuff ends up getting destroyed. So if I, get, I either get free gear from promotions or like USA Wrestling or I get cool stuff at the Goodwill that people have gotten rid of. Yep. No, that's, well, again, that's, that's cool that you have that kind of a background. So you're amateur wrestling and tell us like that, that, that first year of, you know, you're a freshman and you're trying to make, you're trying to make the varsity team or you're, you're, you're part of the team and weight classes wise, stuff like that, because wrestlers have this mentality of losing weight, trying to be this monster at a, at a lighter weight class. It's a lot of times it just kind of sucks because now you're, you're missing meal after meal. How many, how many different holidays have you missed? that there was a great feast that was on that you couldn't eat. Yeah, no, my whole wrestling career and even, even some of my fighting career, you know, like uh, my, my fight was scheduled like December 31st. So there goes like Christmas, you know, like and couldn't eat too much for Thanksgiving and stuff, cutting down to 135. So yeah, it, it holidays are not like a big deal to me at all because of wrestling. Yeah, but no, I, so I, when I first came on the team, though, um, I started. We had moved to North Carolina, and I was not thinking about uh, okay, I'm you know starting and everything like that. I was like, okay, how am I, like, how am I going to stay on the team? Because it was such a battle just to be even be able to stay on the team. Um, they just it was the first girl that they'd ever seen being like living in the South, and so they were like oh, well, girls can't wrestle. And me, you know, having seen it in Pennsylvania all throughout growing up, I was like, of course they can, you know, like I have two arms and two legs. And I mean, really, honestly, that's not even 100% necessary. <laughs> like, Pennsylvania is just one of those states that, I mean, it's rich in amateur wrestling history. You, you go through a lot of the Midwestern states and then Eastern states, they're just rich with the history of, of a great wrestling team after team after team. So you know, to me, it's, it's when you say Pennsylvania, they're going, well, heck yeah. I mean, most kids, when they're born, you know, they're not even, they, they come out, uh, you know, they're not on their backs, they're, they're, they're on their bellies right now. So <laughs> it's true. So, but um, I, I lost my thought here right now. I can't believe that there. Mr. Fry, are you, are you there for the save? I just watching you just bewildered. Yeah. So you, oh, okay. you actually lost. Yeah. When uh, my youngest daughter, we change her diaper. She'd throw it on arm bar, you know, and you can pick her up. <laughs> she'd be wrapped up there and she's ready to go. You know, she's she, in the jeans. Yeah. They, they were both, they were both terrifying, terrifying little monsters. <laughs> and now, well, I mean, was your, I know what it was. So I was going to ask you, you said you moved so much, but was your father like in the military or something like that? Or was it just jobs or? Um, yeah. So he did construction for Miller and Long. And so like he would move as they, did different like really large uh, construction sites. So okay. moving around Maryland and then also um, all of our family lived back in Pennsylvania, uh, Lock Haven University or yeah, I went back to Lock Haven University, but Lock Haven is where my extended family's from, which is also called Matt Town USA. And uh, so, okay. yeah, I, know, so I really, I really was raised around it. Uh, but that's where my mom would move back because she just has so much trouble with my dad working such long, hard hours. And so she would get help from our family right. and then he would drive down to Maryland and come back on the weekends sometimes. So I think it was just a hard, uh, 
the cost of living in Maryland was so expensive. And then she was out there on her own. So like sometimes we'd stay in Pennsylvania and sometimes we'd go back to Maryland just so her and my dad could be together. Yeah. So we just moved around a lot. Uh, you know, but a lot of that translates over to like a serious athlete that wants to be successful. You know, you live a very isolated life. Mm -hmm. It's like your your friends and family and stuff like that. They're, they're like, well, come on over, let's go do this. And you're like, and what, you know, you got you got you got to put in your training time, or yeah, yeah. you got to watch your your weight and things of nature. I mean, girl, just being in high school, the typical lines was like, because I I you know I played football in the in fall, wrestled in in the wintertime, and track and field in the springtime. But the track coach knew because I told him right from the get go, I'm coming up for track, but if there's a Saturday track meet and there's a Saturday wrestling meet. Yeah. You're not going to see me at the track meet, in which he would get mad at because, you know, I'm I'm doing shot put discus and high and low hurdles and stuff like that. So I'm scoring points for the team, and he'd be mad about that. But I go, my future's not in track and field. My my future's in the sport of wrestling. There's this thing called scholarship money. Can I can I get some of that? Is what yeah. I'm looking for. We were just actually talking about how your father had, had moved around quite a bit there for because yeah. construction and his job and stuff of that nature. So. Uh, is, is mom as mom dad are they in a uh, station kind of a stationary place now no no so like they moved they ultimately moved back to lock haven and so like they just that's where they permanently resided after i think it was after i finished high school okay so again but but you said they, they, that's where they came from so they have family yeah. they have friends so they can that, that all of our sense. all of our family is there so it's it's the best place to be yep Especially if you find that out as you get older, stuff like that, and especially when health starts to take a little bit turn for worse, you want to surround yourself with family and friends as much as you, you possibly can. Absolutely. So, well, let's get back to it because, again, there's one thing that I saw on your amateur wrestling that I, I definitely got to come back to because it shows when did you jump into freestyle wrestling? Because you're doing folk style, but when did you jump into freestyle? So my first uh, dip into freestyle was after my sophomore year. Um, and so I had two years of folk style wrestling, and then I was just introduced to it. And then when I was 16 years old, um, I went to the U.S. Open for the first time. I, I actually had to get a medical doctor to sign off to say that I was medically fit to wrestle women. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be in one of next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Now, that was your first open because, again, I, I'm, I'm trying not to let the cat out of the bag here yet, but uh, you, you've competed quite a few times at the open. But the other, there was another tournament that's near and dear to my heart is the Sunkiss Open that you've been to a great deal of times that you've won every single time. And I'm like going, wow. I go say this, this gal doesn't understand the, the, the background that we both share right now, because the guy who started up the whole Sunkiss program, his name was Art Martori. I know Art. And, and he, makes, Art. He, he makes his, so you, you've met Art before? Yeah, absolutely. I've met him tons of times. He was, uh, he's come with us to world championships um, he went with us to the Olympics. Like, he's wonderful. Yeah, our, our, our goes to all those those. I mean, he was a former wrestler at Arizona State, a successful businessman, successful agriculture farmer. I mean, I mean, I, yeah. I've, I've been around Art so many times. He's one of the reasons why I went to Arizona State University because 
I was a heavily recruited amateur wrestler. I took this, you're limited to six uh, different uh, trips that you could take. Uh, and, and I took all six of them. I, I went to both Iowa schools and both Oklahoma schools because they were the four potential powers and then Wisconsin, then to Arizona State. And, uh, but, but it was the, the head coach, Bobby Douglas, had met me as a sophomore. He thought that my older brother and I were a set of twins. He ended up offering us both full scholarships at that time. He says, you guys keep on the right, same track. He goes, I'll be, I'll be back to talk to you again. And there were I'm so many. A, I'm a huge ahead. fan of Bobby Douglas. I, oh, he's like one of my favorite coaches of all time. He's great. I mean, he, he, I mean he's, he's, he's very, he's, I mean, the guy, I mean, he gets crazy at times. There's, there's times I've seen him in a room that uh, it's like everyone out of the room. And it was like that wrestled him because uh, what he's about to do with that wrestler probably is not the normal <laughs> protocol of discipline. <laughs> yeah. But, but it was so funny because I had, I had several of, the, of, the, of these other coaches. They were saying, well, you know, Bobby Douglas, all he's trying to do is recruit an all black wrestling team. I go, well, then Bobby Douglas must be colorblind because my older brother and I just happened to be white. <laughs> so it was just kind of comical because and you find out as his, a wrestler. His, one of his best wrestlers of all time is Kale Sanderson. Yeah. So I think he just loves wrestling. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, no he, he does. He just, he, he loves the sport of wrestling. He's given so much to that, to Arizona State's program. He's given so much to the Sunkiss program. And I, I, I believe he still has his, his one daughter. Actually, is like like one of the executive officer of Suntis Kids there as well. So he's trying to keep that in the, the family as well. But when I saw yeah. all the times that you went out to the Suntis Open, and you, you not just going, there, you won it. So it's like, well, I'm I'm a Suntis kid. I'm part well, of the Suntis Kids team. So yeah. and then Kim Martori is his daughter, and she's she's amazing. She's a really wonderful person, and yep. she's a hard worker. She does. She does so much for the club. So it's really like a, it's an honor to know both of them. Yeah, no, it's uh, again, I, I, I can go with the story after story with, with art and stuff like that. He's, he's that one guy that he always said, Severny goes, you're the only guy. Cause I, I visit every now and then unannounced at his office. He says, first off, because you're the only guy that comes into my place unannounced. He says, he goes, they show up in raggedy old workout gear. Half the time I stand up, to shake your hand. I don't know if you're going to throw me into a, a Russian two-on-one, a headlock, a body lock, going for, you know, the soup play or something like that onto him. He says, I just think, I go, Art, someone's got to keep you on your toes. He, exactly. And, but, but, but then he says, he says, but then we get after my attire. I go, Art, I go, you're a businessman. I go, more than that, I go, you're a successful businessman. I go, how many men and or women come in here dressed to the nines? They yeah. got all this jewelry and stuff like that. They're pulling this car, stuff like that. But they're they're up to here and, and hawk. I go, I go, I'm not here looking for nothing from you. I go, I said, you gotta be a sharp businessman to look past and you have to see the depth of that person. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Severity goes, You cease to base me. I go, I go, Art is did I hear a compliment come out of you? <laughs> he's a good guy. Good man. <laughs> so I I continued to harass him. Uh, we were at world championships one time and I was the only person who would sit in the front seat with him. Cause if you've ever driven with him, he's especially in like the Autobahn, like he's, he goes so fast, but I didn't care. I was like, you know, it didn't bother me a bit. And he was eating some ice cream and I was like, art, that ice cream is going to go straight to your ass. And <laughs> he turned and looked at me and he's like, 
You must have had a lot of ice cream, Sarah. I was like, oh, oh, he got oh, oh. See, see, again, that's it. but that's his, that's his kind of wit, though, that he has. He, yeah, he's, no, he's he, he, he likes that kind of banter or give and take and stuff of that nature. So I, I, I yeah. tend to always call him every periodically just to just to rattle his cage, just see what he's doing, and let, let him know because I, 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 I split my time between Michigan and Arizona. I'm, yeah. I'm in Michigan for spring, summer, fall. The nice time to be here, and then come mm -hmm. winter months, nope, I'm back out in Phoenix, and then I'll go into yeah. Pestrum and go and see him, and again try try to see if I can get him into another Russian two on one or headlock or body lock on top of things. But no, just good. The whole family just just good people. Done a lot for the sport of wrestling, and uh, you know there should be there should be a, a monument or a shrine uh, dedicated for what what all he's done for that program. But then again, Bobby Douglas first. First black head coach of any NCAA sport. You know, he went through a lot of uh, persecution when he was first coming through things. And uh, I, I, I witnessed it firsthand. I'm thinking, holy moly, this man's got to have, got to have some true grit there to bear through some of the things that, that he has to go through at times. But uh, as, again, as more time passes, things eased up and become a whole lot better. Nope. He'll, he'll go down uh, again for everyone. To I didn't know he was coaches. the first. I, I yeah. wasn't aware that he was the first. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, it was. He, again, he, he broke some different barriers himself again, but he, you know, he was breaking a lot of barriers as a wrestler, you know, mm -hmm. there's even a great statue of him wrestling Dan Gable. And uh, I, I actually was lucky enough to get one of those statues. And it's because uh, it was, uh, you know, it should have been him in the Olympic games instead of, Dan Gable at the time. So a lot of people oh, don't they, even... Did they go with the same? I thought that they went uh, different weight classes. Uh, eventually, I, I eventually, eventually they did, but there, there, there's actually a statue of the two of them wrestling. I thought that he, I thought Bobby beat Gable twice. He yeah. Did. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought, so... So again, a lot. Okay, again, I, I, I'm not here to take anything away from Gable. Good Dan Gable did, no. did he had a phenomenal career, just like Charles Sonnen had a phenomenal career, and you know so many other wrestlers out of. I mean, like I said, Pennsylvania for the longest time. Hey, I, you, you almost wonder what's in the what's in what's in the water because they produce so many phenomenal wrestlers. There's there's even a high school wrestling meet that's like the Pennsylvania All Stars takes on the United States. I mean, literally. They takes on the other forty nine states. Yeah, so it's a it's a lot of dads who are very very invested in their sons being wrestlers. <laughs> so those kids get pushed very hard from a very young age, and they're I mean like not just the toughness too, but very technical wrestlers. So whenever I was uh, at Lockhaven, I was around Pennsylvania state champs, New York, New Jersey, and Ohio, and like just the the technical level of the Pennsylvania wrestlers were just, and I had to like play very, very fast catch up, even just to drill with them. It was awesome to be around. It was really good for me. But like I said, look how it transitioned or carried over to your MMA career. What, when did you first, I guess, hear about MMA or thought of the idea of going from one to the other? So um, I knew that I was going to retire from wrestling after 2008 trials. And um, I would have retired if I had gone to the Olympics um, that year. I would have retired after that uh, team. But I got pregnant with my daughter, which was, you know, I had planned to wrestle 
retire, have a baby. And then I was going to just do jujitsu. And then my friend was like, Hey, I think that you should do some striking too. You know, uh, I think you'd be good at MMA. And I hadn't really heard about MMA. Um, so I tried out the striking, like just hitting mitts and stuff like that. And I was like, I love it. <laughs> I was like, I love it. This is great. Um, and even sparring was not enough to deter me. <laughs> Cause I was like, mm, yeah, I get hit, but also I get to take them down. And when I take them down, I get to hit them and they can't really hit me. So that's like, this is a lot better if I just do this, <laughs> but, yes. uh, you know, like if you take all of them together, you know, wrestling, jujitsu and striking and you just, you have MMA. So, uh, I gave myself, um, one year just to kind of like, before I have my, even my first amateur fight, just to see if it was for me, you know, cause like I was going to put no pressure on myself and say like, do I like this sport? Is it something I really want to get invested in? Cause I'm, I'm the kind of person that when I do get invested in something, I'm like, I'm all in, I'm like mm -hmm. borderline obsessive about it. And so I gave myself time not to like say, okay, well I have to do it. Cause I said, I'm going to do it. I'm like, no, I have one year to decide if it's what I want or don't want it, what I don't want. And by the end of the year, I was like itching to take an amateur fight. Couldn't wait to get my pro debut going. Like, so I, you know, fell in love with it too. Well, in, in, in your matches, do you use a lot of your wrestling background? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, so I give think me I, some examples because I, I know what I'm looking for right now. But give me some examples of what you do. Um. So on the cage, it's you know, it's hand fighting. You know, like it's hand fighting and wrestling. Like for mm -hmm. me, if you, if anybody, if you throw a punch, if I can slip your punch, we're wrestling. You know, like yes. it's. You're, you've already removed the barrier of your head position. Once your hands are out of the way, it's nothing but your hips. And I'm a lot better at taking people down, whether it's in a good stance or whether it's standing straight up, which is even easier. It's like taking candy from a baby, you know, taking down people who are upright. But I think I just really love grappling. I love just getting my hands on people. I love feeling that control. I love dominating. I love breaking people like it's just something that oh, I it's, okay. You what was that last time you like breaking people? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Kind of, no, we talked about this before. Please every what, wrestler what, what, knows what that. What do you mean by what do you mean by that? Breaking people. Um forcing them to give up. I mean Is that a physical thing? Is it a mental thing or is it a combination? Uh so you can break physically and you can break mentally. Personally, I would rather break somebody mentally. Mm -hmm. um, breaking somebody physically, they can always rally the troops. Their mind is strong. They can always try to come back and they can do something, but mentally they could have all the energy in the world. And if you've mentally broke them, you're just drilling at that point, you're doing anything you want. And there's just no more satisfying feeling like you can, I don't know how to describe it to people. Cause unless you've done it, like you could just physically feel somebody who's broken and it's a great feeling. No, <laughs> and I'm no, one of the I, again, people who like it. <laughs> You're, you're making me, I, I need to get a tissue here right now. I just was like, oh, you heard, you said exactly what I'm looking for. Because Where did you learn your hand fighting? Because that was big, uh, Bobby Douglas uh, was big on hand fighting, you know, and hand control. So I think that, so my um, my first coach, uh, he his dad was a preacher and in the military. And so he was just as mean and hard-nosed as you come. We had three-hour practices and he loved Gable. So the Iowa wrestling, like hand fighting, you know, the clubs that were borderline punches, like making them, 
you know, punishing them in every single position. Uh, that was our practice. A, I think that's called a collar tie, isn't it? A, a, a collar tie. <laughs> that, that I, don't club club. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a club. I don't know a collar tie. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I, yeah. I, I call it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly that. So I know what I'm doing when I, when I tie up the people. Because like, as you said before, that 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 reach that that point of contact that's that speaks by because now you're within you're within striking range of hands but again the legs a little bit longer so you always gotta look at okay yeah. what is the range for leg what are the range for, for hands stuff like that and wrestlers are, are good for working from what they know as point of contact and to work off of that point of contact and but to to get to a to get to a, a just just a takedown open takedown on open ground or to clinch them in open ground or to jam them up against the cage wall. Once you've done one of those three things, you've neutralized 99% of any striker's ability. They can't strike you when they're when they're in a clinch yeah. position. That's where you see sports like boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, and karate. That poor referee spends more time separating the two athletes and going, no, 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 none of that huggy, squeezy type of stuff taking place here. But MMA, you could be... Because, I mean, Sarah, I was a one-trick pony. I was just an amateur wrestler that just jumped into it. But I, yeah. and, I and I said, we knew that. I'm not going to win this because I suck with my hands. And uh, I think my track record proves for it that I suck with my hands. But it, if you miss that opportunity, I am going to do one of those three things. And I welcome you to my world. Because even though you're in that clinch, you'd be surprised how you can pop with that shoulder, jaw jack them, and things of that nature. Or, again, back in that day, you could do headbutting, uh, yeah. stomping, knee groin shots, uh, the whole nine yards. So it was like going, no holes barred. Yeah. I will give a little shout out to the Muay Thai fighters. I do, I feel like some of their clinch game, like they're, they're pretty good. They're pretty strong. Like it feels really familiar, like stuff with wrestling. So I'll give a, like of all the strikers, the Muay Thai fighters seems to have like a little more comfort with that closeness. You know, they're yeah. like, okay, well, here's where I can elbow you. Here's, yeah, yeah. So they do a lot better. No, I, I, I like I like what you said there about Muay Thai because it, it offers up, like boxers, they're just worried about the hands. Kickboxers, they're hands and feet. But when you deal with Muay Thai, they're throwing elbows, they're throwing knees. It's kind of, they're showing all kinds of weapons. So, yeah, the, what you said before about if you could take that amateur wrestler, give them something of that Muay Thai background and a little bit of that uh, BJJ or Jiu-Jitsu or something like that, you've got you got the, the perfect storm about mm -hmm. to happen. But wrestlers do so well. Like I think at one point they had like nine out of ten champions were wrestlers in the UFC. So yeah, yep. That's well again. That's where well when you look at the when you look at the history of it, who were half of the owner was uh, Horian Gracie, one half of the, the Gracie family, and then basically they were it was a uh, more of a marketing machine for uh, Gracie, it still is Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Oh no, uh, yes, yeah. So I mean, it, it did well, but and then actually the, uh, the the businessman that came up with the idea, the whole concept of this uh, cage was Art Davy, and he wrote the, a book that's that's called "Is This Legal?" Because I mean, he he had a hard time finding a state and an athletic commission that would you know run with him on that, and uh, you know it, it it came about to where now it's. Uh, well, again, within the last few months, you've got professional wrestling, WWE is now underneath the same umbrella as the UFC joined together. And uh, now who knows what this is going to do other than it will give some MMA competitors 
a longer extended life as they cross over to wacky world of professional wrestling, but you're not going to see any professional wrestlers that are going to cross over to the world of MMA because fantasy, fantasy beats reality. It's a, it's an ugly uh, reality. Yeah. That will come out. Yes. A whole lot different when you're locked in a cage with somebody who's trying to beat your ass. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, have you ever, have you ever been like hit so hard? That's just kind of like your, your whole skull feels like it went gong and you're like going, okay, I see three people. I, so I've more, I've had it from a kick. Ooh. I've been kicked and my whole head gonged and I froze solid. And for some reason I like, I had a smile on my face. This was during sparring. It was just an accident. And I was smiling and my, I froze and I started to fall into my partner. He was like, are you okay? And he caught me, but like, <laughs> was, uh, I came to, and I was like, I think I just got like a concussion. <laughs> and he was like, he was apologizing because he didn't mean to kick me. I I was reaching for a leg and um, he was like, uh, I was like, man, I hate that I was smiling when you did this. Because that kind of gives you the signal that like I'm okay. <laughs> it's like you could have like hit me so <laughs> yeah, he might, might, might kept, better kept coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's lucky he realized that like my whole body like kind of just stiffened. He realized something was not right. He, I think he felt the connection too, and knew that it was a really hard kick. So this was actually said in a training session, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I've never been kicked in uh, an MMA fight that okay. hard. I learned how well, to block. I was this was like younger in my career. I was not as good at diversified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's um well finding good finding good workout partners is not easy. I mean it's uh I I, yeah. I ran my own training I ran my own training facility and I had to tell these guys because I, I was also my first profession was a professional wrestler as of the mm -hmm. ninety-two Olympics and and then UFC started up in nineteen ninety-four. Actually December ninety-three was when they officially started on up. So I, I was I first was doing professional wrestling. So I had all these professional wrestlers come in there. And then these MMA fighters and these guys, it doesn't matter if they're putting on headgear, they're still smacking the, the dog poop out of each other. I'm going, dude, the headgear. And again, I've, I've heard trainers say this. They go, wear this headgear. They're not going to break your nose. You're not going to get cut. But I go, that gray matter called your brain is being sloshed all over the place. I go, I don't care if you're wearing a headgear or not. I mean, my guys, none of my guys wear headgear because I call the head the pumpkin. I go, the pumpkin is basically off limits. I go, you can go to touch. I go, and when you are really skilled and you can go throw a jab out there to touch, when you're when you're time for match time, oh, you're, 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 you're a scary cat, especially if you can throw it out and verbalize it there too, because the more senses that you can incorporate, it, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty wacky. Even when you do your grappling, a suggestion for you is grapple with your eyes closed. I do. Because your sense, what do you do? Yep. Oh, again. Yep. So I'm a real uh, kinetic learner. So I can visual, visually learn, but I really pick up a lot by feel. So like I will, when I'm grappling, I'll close my eyes just to, just so my body can feel everything that's going on. Because I think I, I feel like I process it a lot faster than that what way. I can see. Not only do you feel, but you also, you could hear how, you could hear the other person, are they starting to labor for breath? It's like, going, oh, that's a, that's a little motivation. It's like, going, let's let's put the grind down a little bit more. Let's, let's test yeah, how, many, yeah. H, how much more H2O they have in their lungs. Yeah, they used to give me yeah. a tool in uh, pro wrestling because I I would close my eyes in pro wrestling and that's stupid because you're supposed to <laughs> you know you're supposed to keep an eye on your your 
your partner, partner. Your partner yeah to, to know what you're doing um shit what is the question uh were you more nervous for your first wrestling match or for your first mma match first wrestling match beyond a shadow of a doubt my first wrestling match i thought i'm not joking i literally thought I will sell my soul to the devil right now to get out of this. <laughs> I was so wow. nervous because I was, I was in North Carolina. I was the only girl in the entire state. So I was wrestling boys. Um, my whole high school career, I wrestled boys when in high school. Uh, it was terrifying because so if you got to think about it too, like I had never done any other sport. So I had no competition, you know, like uh, history to draw from. I went, and actually, for a long time, I didn't even know that other sports didn't train like wrestlers. I had no idea. Like, I had no reference. So my first, my very first match, I was, like, terrified. But I was just, like, this mean little girl. So I was, like, I just had this little tough girl face on. But inside, I was, like, I'll do anything to get out of this. And I was, like, this is ridiculous. Why do I Why do I think like that just for one match? It's, like, a JV match. <laughs> so... Obviously, I powered through it. Well, yeah. Say, how did you how did you make up with your first match ever? Did you? Um. So the did first you win? did you lose? Did you? Me, I lost. They put me okay. against um a three year starter, their captain, and then yeah, because I I think they were trying to send a message to a girl, and my coach he blew a gasket. He was so mad at who they had paired me up with. And he, he stuck up for me. He fended for me and he's like, put her against another first year wrestler. Like you would right. every other guy on here. And I beat that guy like seven to three. Um, and he, he started crying and then I went over and I tried to comfort him, which apparently I didn't know is not a good thing to do to guys after they just lost to a girl. That's like adding a lot of insult to injury. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh, Hey, I'm sorry. Um, you did really good, <laughs> but he didn't. I beat the <laughs> try, try these shoes; they look good on you. <laughs> exactly. I think pink's your color. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because okay, I, the very I, I, first time I got my bat, my butt kicked really bad. Oh, what? what, what oh, yeah. No, it's uh, wow. I mean, how, how many how many matches did you have before you prop? That you finally won a match? Uh, or that you went up against another female, maybe? Oh, okay. So my first female, my first female I ever wrestled with was the U.S. Open. <laughs> you're kidding. You have to go For, to a national yeah. tournament in order to wrestle your first female? Yeah. There, just no, there were no females. I was the only one in the entire state. Um, and then I got the number one girl in the country, and she teched me. Um, and then I wrestled back through the tournament, and I ended up placing sixth. Um so not too shabby, my first first go out there, but I definitely realized the levels there were. But man, I think that people don't under understand unless you are just very naturally athletic, everybody gets their butt beat a lot in the beginning of wrestling. Like you just pay your dues and you get beat a lot until you start beating people. And that's just if you can't weather that storm, you're just not gonna hack it. What was the first tournament you wanted? The first tournament I won was my senior year. I wrestled in the women, the first ever women's high school nationals. In in the guys tournaments, I had come in like third or fourth, but I never got to the finals against the boys. I was I wrestled now, at one thirty. Second, Sarah. 
Women, women are equal to men. We all uh, they are. They're equal. But you know what happens? Uh, men hit puberty. And I learned that my sophomore year when all my training partners left for the summer and they came back and they were 15 pounds fucking stronger than me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. Again, but, 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 had, but there's muscle mass. Because you, you hit a, Okay, when puberty hits, there's, there's a whole difference there between, you know, what, what happens to, to a, 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 when a boy becomes a man, you know? Yeah. Big time. Nope, absolutely. So that's the funny thing is like anybody talking about like men and women, it's like, man, if you were a wrestler, you wouldn't even be having this discussion. Like, yeah. you know, the very real differences because all of my training partners, every guy I competed against, they had their own goals. It wasn't personal. They were going to beat me like they were going to beat anybody you put in front of them. And it was just no mercy whatsoever, but they had to get their training in. And so I just went as hard as I could and competed at 130, which is a it's a tough weight. They're fast and they're starting to get strong. there. starting to get pretty strong. So, you know, I, um, my junior year I started and I was like 11 and 19 and my senior year I was 15 and 13, but I, I killed myself to even have above 500 record. Yeah. About again. 10, 15 years ago. Um, I was with, uh, Dwayne Nugwig and, uh, boss Rutten. They were doing a <laughs> seminar over in, uh, Austin, Texas. And I was helping them out and, you know, I wasn't teaching. I was just helping them demonstrate to, you know, bouncing between uh, group teams, you know, two and two and two. And I got in there with these two girls and I said, now, now guys are stronger. You know, you, you might want to try this, but you know, adapt to your own style because guys are stronger than women, you know, and girls and they can do this. I got fucking fired for saying that. Yeah. Wow, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, it's like listen, it's I would never if fighting were co-ed, I would have never started. There's no way I would let a hundred and thirty-five man, a hundred and thirty-five pound man hit me. Not a freaking chance. Like, so I mean, I don't care. Anybody can say whatever they want. It's when you feel the very 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 real physical differences, I don't need to go and listen to any biology report about what testosterone does. I could feel it the second those guys hit puberty. And when I'd wrestle guys who were tall and long and lanky and hadn't hit that, man, they, they were like Gumby. I could, I could move them around. I was stronger than them. But the second they hit that growth spurt, it was like, that's it. They, I mean, that's where, that's where I think, that's where I think we gotta hit, put an end to all this bullshit about, uh, chicks with dicks doing to compete against chicks without dicks, you know? Um, Go to the testosterone. Test them all for testosterone, and if they have a testosterone level, they're out there, you know. And that way, well, just as much, just as much as I don't want females having elevated testosterone levels either. Right. That's it's a performance enhancing drug, and um, I'm I'm definitely yeah, not you don't, for. You don't have it, and then uh, if they test these, they test these heces, and they have testosterone, they're out there, you know. You're you're disqualified. So I was talking to one of my friends about it and I said, if people, you know, I, I have no problem with anybody who wants to be, you know, like whatever, when you want to be called, whatever you, I mean, like, I really, that, that's never an issue with me, but I say, when you want to go into sports, I think that boys, females transitioning to male who are taking hormones and males who are transitioning to female, all of them should compete against men. They should all compete in the male category because 
then if you truly love the sport, if you just truly want to do it, then you would be in a more level playing field. All of them would, but none of them should come into female sports. No, not at all. I just don't feel like it's right. I feel like, and I think the numbers and people coming in and blowing records out of the water, they, they speak to exactly what I'm talking about. Well, they're going to end up killing a girl is what's going to happen in the fight game. You know, they're going to have this shit happen in the fight well, game and they're going to kill somebody. So I think that it won't get that far because females have the opportunity to say no to any fight. So I think that like girls will just say no and their fight career will just die out. Here's an off the wall question for you. Who do you think's better at uh, planning for the future, AKA maybe saving some of their person's money and stuff like that, female competitors or male competitors? Hmm. Let's see. Because there's, there's, there's always the, you look at all, like you, you name the sport, football players, basketball yeah. players, baseball players, MMA guys, gals that they've won lots of money, but then later on, they don't have two nickels to rub together. But I'm just wondering. Dan, Dan, Sever, Dan Severn's got that nesting chromosome. That... <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. You're influencing. No, no, no I... better, Don. If I'm answering honest, I would say I have to say it depends on the individual because I've seen some females blow through every single bit of their money when they've gotten it. And I've seen some males do the same thing. So I think that females have caught up to the males when it comes to that money burning a hole in their pocket. <laughs> but if I had to, if I was forced to gun to my head shoes, I'd say females probably a little bit smarter with their money than the guys. <laughs> Again, I would say that hands down. Exactly, just what you said there, hands down. See, this okay. is, I've seen some knows, anytime Don gets the chance to, to, to zap me right there, because this this here is, is, is Dan Severs fanny pack, okay? Mm -hmm. And he goes, and, and Don knows that that uh, my fanny pack is kind of like Fort Knox. That's yeah. how the, the kind of security <laughs> that That's I have. a safety deposit box, you know, he just carries it around. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and uh, yeah, yeah, he knows that if it ever gets unzipped, the bombs that would come out of it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a one-way street. I like it all coming in. None of it going back out. No, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, but like, I think the females are definitely, I, what I think the big difference is now like the, uh, the Instagram, you know, you have to impress everybody and, sh you know, I think females are just as susceptible to that, you know, trying to impress everybody with expensive things and whatever as the males are. And probably the males may be still a little bit more, maybe their toys are a little bit more expensive, but I've seen some really broke girls that needed to fight as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's sad when you, it's kind of like, I got to go buy this big expensive car, stuff like that. And you don't even have a house. You're just renting an apartment or something like that. It's like going, you just don't have your priorities, right? Whatsoever. But, uh, but it makes I think it makes people feel like that whole like famous person game, you know, like they're, Oh, I'm famous. And now I have all these, I don't know. I don't know. I've never really cared much about that, but that's probably not the UFC way. They want people who are flashy and a lot more outgoing and will blow all their money. <laughs> not me. Yeah, no, no. That's so again, I, I, I'm not even, I'm not even going to bother to entertain and throw a few names out there that kind of fit that category because I don't want, I'm not here to plug those, those individuals in the first place. I'd rather speak to people that, that come from a more humble background. I, I, I look at this way. Here's, here's the only political question I'm going to ask you. 
if our country was run by a bunch of wrestlers, where do you think we'd be at now instead of where we really are? Uh, if I think if our country was run by a bunch of wrestlers, I think we'd be doing a lot better off. And I think that there would be a lot less corruption and a lot more punishment for anybody who was corrupt. <laughs> Ooh, well, I, I, I like that punishment line right there because, again, I'm, I'm big about this because I'm – I always get mad about, I go, if a, for example, if a criminal has been sentenced to death, they sit on death row for the next 20, 30 years. It's, it's too easy for wrestlers. Yeah, to, to, me, to me, it's like going, why not next week? Why not? Okay, we just said it. Why don't we just do it that afternoon? You know, because when you look at what it costs, what it costs taxpayers to keep this person incarcerated, but then to keep them healthy with medical, dental, optical that you and I are paying for. And, and now our tax dollars goes to pay for a criminal that's sitting on death row. Instead I, of I that, maybe be working and serving and giving, giving back to a country as like penance. Well, like, again, there could be, and, well, again, there, there was, there was, Going back in time, there were the, the the chain gangs and stuff like that. They used to go out there and actually work, do road work, things of nature. But that doesn't happen anymore. I don't think that's a bad idea. <laughs> no, again, that's where, where you got la labor there. It's like put it put it to work to where again you give them some kind of pen. Uh, I don't know. I don't even like I I can I, I just. If if uh, dancer was in charge of our prison systems, there wouldn't be very many people in prison. No. No, it would, but it would be the the number one pay per view you would want to watch, <laughs> yeah, <probably>. <laughs> <laughs> because you got five times Beth O'Malley over here going against you know two time killer over here right now, and we'll have a little coliseum to the death match. You like the running man? Well, <laughs> I think yeah, exactly, running, exactly. We would you know, have the running man for real. Yeah, I think but also. Again, they wouldn't sure that, that only like 80% like of the, the winnings would go to the family that got hurt in the process. And the last 20% or, or so, 20, 25% goes to the facility to keep feeding and towards like there's no free rides. Yeah. And I think that we also would have like a much healthier country. I think people would be taught the right ways instead of all those scams and gimmicks and uh, take this pill and lose 30 pounds. We would be like, yeah, get that out of here. That's just going to kill people. We would teach the right values to, for people to be healthier. Yeah. Well, even like what you, what you talked on the steroids. I mean, it's, when you look at, like, at an industry like bodybuilding, we have all these men and women that are supposed to be the pinnacle of health and wellness uh, with their muscular build and stuff like this and, and hourglass shapes and it's kind of like going, and yet they're some of the most unhealthiest people in yeah. the world. It's true. Uh, I'm glad that I, I still feel like wrestling is relatively untouched by steroids. I think that like some individuals here and there might choose sure. the wrong path, but on the whole wrestlers look at it. Like if you have to do that, you're not tough enough. You know, you don't have the mental strength and the, and you know, like the physical grit to survive our sport because being strong is just only one small aspect of wrestling. You know, 
there's so much more to it that makes a great wrestler that I don't think it's as much of an enhancement as it is with other sports, but man, it is rampant in MMA and jiu-jitsu. It is like, and, and it's not frowned upon, you know, like there's a couple people that I hit that have really kind of like lost their popularity because of doing it. But most people, those guys get hit with a fine, get a suspension. By the time they come back, they're just as beloved for, you know, and it's like, I don't know. I just don't, I think that's wrong. I, you know what? I, 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 I just agree with both of you. I think shit, load them up, let them go. You know, if it's legal, get rid of the cocaine and, you know, like pride, pride, pride. You well, so look, if it's legal, then have a, have a league that does that. Have a, yeah. have a super duper. We'll see what humans can do, but yeah. have a natural league too, for people who don't want that and don't let, you know, who really would watch that. Who would watch that? When it comes I know. To, it's like, it's like natural bodybuilding versus, you know, the, the Induced bodybuilding. The, the pros. <laughs> well, at least we could do it. At least we could do it if we wanted to. You wouldn't be nearly as richer and as famous. But if you wanted to do MMA, and I love doing MMA, then I wouldn't have to go against somebody, you know, juiced to the gills. Because it's it's yeah, such an unbelievable advantage. Yeah, but you guys also, that's, like, in your era, life. it was that's not even illegal. Huh? I was like, it, in your era, it was not illegal. I I'm sure it. it was probably encouraged. Yeah, they, they um, in the pride contract, I said, we do not test for steroids. You know, they test for everything else, but not steroids. Yeah. And, and uh, if you need anything, give us a call. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I was sitting there before the uh, Ultimate Ultimate 2, uh, had my interview with, with uh, Dr. Richard Estrigo and his wife. And he says, we're thinking about uh, testing for steroids. What do you think? I said, I think you're going to run out fighters. And his wife, yeah. his wife was like, yep. <laughs> you better give them a really, well, so it's, there is always that transition period, like even with the TRT, you know, it was legal for a long time. And there's got to be like a buffer period between the people who were taking TRT legally. And then they are now, you know, going to compete without it. There has to be some kind of warning. Um, and before, you know, it wasn't illegal to fight with steroids. So give, give a lot of headway, give that time for people who chose to do that, but now they want to compete legally. But I come, I'm just from the era of the Olympic, you know, the Olympic track, which is never, never, don't even, don't even take eye drops from the store, unless you know it is approved through USADA. You know? I mean, so, I'm from the era. Wind them up, let them go. That's, that's all there is to it. Let's see what happens. I would, I would not have survived that era. I would have had a very dud career, and I would have been done. Sister Sarah, I was at, I was at the Olympic Training Center up in Colorado Springs, the year mm -hmm. that they first opened it back in 1976. That's it used to be a military base. They just, yep. the wrestling room, they just knocked down a few walls. They laid the mats out. That was our wrestling room. That's what we started off there with. Now to see it today, wow, that's uh, yeah. it's incredible what it has grown to be. It is. It's phenomenal. The dorms are still like barracks, though, but the rest of it is like, it's it's huge. It's beautiful. 
It's a really or they'll probably keep certain structures there forever, and, and they'll probably never change, but uh, just with a coat of paint. But uh, other stuff, other technologies and, and uh, advancements, oh, they'll, they'll continue to bring them them uh, on in. I mean, it's a, it's a great facility that uh, you've got some people working on just cutting-edge products uh, all mm -hmm. the time. What's next for for Sarah McMahon? What's what's next for you? What's what's coming up? I have a fight October seventh uh, in San Diego for Bellator. I uh, previously fought for the UFC for ten years, and now I fight for Bellator. It's my it'll probably be my last contract, but maybe not. No, is Bellator is that with Scott Coker? Yep. Okay. I did, I just wasn't certain if he was still the uh, the president of that organization because there was a point in time that uh, I you know towards the end of my career I was trying to chase down uh, Ken Shamrock, Coyce Gracie, and and Mark Coleman because all all three of them had tested positive for controlled substances. Yeah. And yours truly has been lifetime chemical free in that part there. And uh, and then when uh, you know I I finally I, I came up with okay I'm at the dance I'm getting old it's time for me to uh, depart i so i i parted with a clause i go i'm going to retire now but if one of these three men were to step up to the plate i would i would seriously contemplate coming back out of retirement just depending on how long has it been did i balloon up to over 300 pounds and i'm eating bonbons on my couch and no i'm not going to be coming out of retirement at that point but uh an opportunity did come out and uh you know with with ken and and i mean I have only previously I'd done two training camps, one for 32 days, one for 35. That's it. For UC yeah. number five in the ultimate ultimate. In rest of time, I, I done all these matches. I just simply just I, I just ran practices at my training facility. And I loved it when there was an odd number of people, because when there's an odd number of people, I get to play. But when there's yeah. even numbers, I'm just the barking sergeant blowing whistles, got the timers going, and just keeping everyone motivated and going. And uh Opportunity to hand and and literally like two weeks before the match, Ken bows out because he's got an opportunity with Hoist. And I'm thinking oh. I'm I'm so I'm so pissed because I actually I trained for four months. I never put in that much time in, into something there. I mean I I, I was down to a weight class I hadn't seen in probably a decade or more. Because I thought I just told myself that if this was gonna be the last time anyone was ever gonna see me, they were gonna see the best dance ever mm -hmm. I could possibly put out there. And but then so I, I contacted Scott. I go, Scott, I go, I hear you got Hoist and, and Ken uh, for your main event. I says, uh, what about bringing me in to be a play-by-play -play color commentator? I go, I've got history with both of these guys. And he kind of like ah, poo-poo's on to it a little bit there. I go, well, I'll tell you what, I'll sweeten the pot there for you. I'll take on the winner of the two. And he, and he goes, ah, he goes, these legend matches. He's kind of like poo-poo's on that again there. I'm like going, well, I'll tell you what, best offer I can give you is a good old-fashioned Kmart two-for-one special. I'll fight them both in the same night, one at the beginning of the show, one at the very end of the show. I said, but I said, it's going to be good done old school. Neither one knows who goes first. You take them both out there the night of that show and you flip a coin with them both in that cage and whoever loses, that's who I take on first because Dan Severin is fresh as a daisy. So, <laughs> and and I, I can't believe he turned turn it down. I go, that's, that's probably the last time I ever spoke to him. I go, I got nothing else to say. Yeah, yeah that would be great. I know my nose on Bellator's on the fucking show. Uh, who are you fighting? Leah McCourt. And who's that? What, what do you know about her? 
Uh, so she's from Ireland. She's a real tall fighter. Um, I think that she had done a little judo when she was younger. Um, but then she got back into MMA later. Uh, she's ranked number five. But, but that's about, that's all I know. <laughs> I think she likes jujitsu. Oh, she's a jiu-jitsu black belt. You're really what? worried. About, you're really worried about her, eh? I I don't try to worry too much about anybody. I just take care of myself. No, no. Again, this, just for what you explained, and again, how you have uh, conducted yourself into this interview and with dance or stuff like this. You know, there's um. You'll do just fine. You'll do just fine. I know if I was a bet person, I know who, who I'd be laying. The the, the bets on. So. And it, was, it doesn't, it, it's not going overseas anywhere. <laughs> Thank you. I know. <laughs> I'm glad it's at home. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Sarah, what, uh, do you have any like, social media outlets you want to uh, plug here? Um, any? Uh, I mean, or, I have Instagram, or... I have Facebook, but people can find me. Just Sarah McMahon. <laughs> okay. Just M-C-M-A-N-N. -N. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sarah McMahon. And uh, I guess, I mean, I know we've been asked a lot of questions. Do you have any questions for Don or myself? Uh, no, I don't. We kind of covered a lot. <laughs> no, I get not. Well, we both appreciate having you on here this, this evening. And I know we talked an awful lot about amateur wrestling. Uh, but again, you know, we, we, we both come from, from the same mindset there that you share with us there. The fact that, you know, you look at that, uh, that that bone, <laughs> that uh, density, uh, tenacity of, of that wrestler, you know, there there's nothing like it. You know, it, it teaches yeah. you the sport. It, it there's just the fundamentals that it teaches you, that it uh, it carries over into life, whether it's in your work, well, other stuff. I'll share one thing with you. Um, I had the honor of going with the. They do. It's called the U twenty team. So it's twenty and under. It used to be like the junior world team. I went to Amman, Jordan this week with them. Five out of our 10 girls got food poisoning, really, really bad food poisoning to the point that two of them had to get IVs. Every single one of them went out there and wrestled. Uh, two of them, one of them got a gold medal. Her name's Amit Elor, teched everybody, didn't get a point scored on her. And this girl was like barely getting through her matches, barely, like wow. physically destroyed. The other girl uh, placed third and she was like almost passing out. She was just, but I've never been more proud of the toughness of my sport than people with like, I would rather have any injury than food poisoning. And they were wrestling in a world championship. And so it was, that's the toughness that our sport has. There's nothing that's going to stop us. Oh, I, I agree with you. I, I'm a more comfortable though, because I, I've had, number of international trips and they always warn you ahead of time, you know, don't drink the water. They always drink bottled water, but uh, sometimes they, they don't tell you that they filled the bottles up with tap water. Yeah. And, and, and you're out on the mat wrestling some of the best people in the world and you got Montezuma's revenge and you're trying to keep your know, sphincter muscle <laughs> cinched together and you're trying to do it. And uh, okay, raise my head so I can run That's off the mat here real quick. Oh, I mean, to talk about bathroom. some embarrassing moments. So. Yeah. You learn real quick in the international travel to bring along a few things that will settle your stomach, stop you up, and 
always have a roll or two of American toilet paper. Yep. The <laughs> first time I went to Russia, I said, no one's going to believe me what this Russian toilet paper looks like. So I brought back a roll. I mean, it's like 80 grit sandpaper. I'm thinking, you wonder why they all have a scowl on their face. Here's the reason, you know. Exactly. So, it's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> well, Sarah, thank you very much. And Mr. Fry, again, I'm not here to cut you off, but I'll, I'll leave. Any last question there for you, Mr. Fry? No, you hit it all, Burner. So, I mean, it's, uh, Sarah, we really appreciate it. And, and we'll probably like to touch base with you again, maybe another six months to a year, just to see how life is continuing for you and, and to just bring up people, uh, any new updates in your life. Absolutely. Last last time, plug your, plug your social medias one more time. It's just Sarah McMahon in Instagram or Facebook. So I don't have TikTok. I'm just like, I don't do it. Okay, well. You, you, you got the two ways that they could get a hold of Sarah McMahon. I don't, I don't trust the fucking commies either, man. <laughs> Sarah, thank okay, you Okay, I don't much. trust our government either. No, <laughs> well, there you go, sweetheart. All right. Hey. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't trust I was like, them. I don't trust one of them. I don't know. They don't know. <laughs> while they're listening uh, right here, tell you about it. <laughs> okay. Again, that's why we're called toxic masculinity. We're just two old parts expressing our our opinions. Sarah, yeah. thank you very much and look forward. Best of luck there to you. Look forward to hearing some more great updates uh, of your career. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for watching another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. You better like, subscribe, and share, or I'm going to come to your house.